I'm curious to know in regards to, you know, what you guys consider a great developer. So my background, software engineering, I did that for 17 years and there's all different spectrums of how people analyze programmers or determine if they're a right fit for the team. How do you determine acceptance at your company? So our acceptance criteria is fairly difficult or it's fairly robust. Uh, the first part we, we assess based off of their technical skills. So depending on their tech stack, we will test them according to that language or framework that they know of. Uh, the second thing that we'll do is do live coding challenges to see how they think right, how they think live. Um, that's going to, that's going to play into, uh, exactly how they will work on the job itself. Um, it's less theory and more practical knowledge. The last part is around some of their soft skills. That includes, includes English fluency. So we test off of, um, the common English framework, which is a European Union standard of fluency. Uh, so that, that's, that's part of that. But we'll also test on situational awareness, on how they communicate, how they deal with conflict. Uh, because as a developer, there's, there tends to be a lot of conflict. We need to understand one, what the product owner is envisioning and two, the reality of how difficult that, that vision is to implement. Um, so that conflict resolution is going to be a very, very important part. And part of that is going to be how do you communicate, how you resolve some of these communication issues, whether it's written or spoken. How do you test that with somebody? So on the, on the written side, that, that, that common English framework, that's the main test that we do. It's a standardized test that we don't write. It's something that, that's a third party. Um, uh, but the spoken English part, that's something that we interview for. And we put them in, in hypothetical situations of how do you get to a resolution? Okay. So the conflict portion of it is handled in a verbal interview and you give them a, a mock scenario and they describe what they would do. Yes, absolutely. Oh, okay, cool. You ever get, do you ever get to do these interviews yourself or no? Well, I was during my interview process. I was part of that interview process. I, um, the one thing that we do is because we've standardized our acceptance criteria, uh, it doesn't matter what level you are or what role you're in, you have to go through these tests. So I was in that, in that two and a half to three month vetting process where I was put in these situations, both on a commercial aspect and on a technical aspect. Um, and I was put in very interesting situations of how, how would I work with a client that, that didn't marry the reality of, of what can happen versus the vision of that they had. Got it. And so that was one of the questions they gave you? Yes. How did you handle that? Uh, well, I, I use a story. Um, so I think one of the best ways to communicate anything, especially in, in your life, is about a previous story. So my previous story was, was that I had a product owner that essentially changed um, uh, the requirements about eight to 10 sprints into the product. And it was a 12 sprint uh, project, or at least we estimated at, at 12 sprints. So about 67% of the way, he completely changed a whole facet of the product. Um, and in my mind, all I could think about was I failed my team. I failed the, the, the people that report up to me who have worked eight to 10 sprints already. Um, and now all their work or a lot of their work is wasted. Um, what I found was that because of the trust that we built over time, because of the rapport that me and my team have built over time, they 
essentially took the bullet for me. They were able to say, look, Justice, and we know that this is outside your control. Um, and we know that the product owner wants this thing. So we built out the solution. We've, we're going to propose this solution. It's not 100% to what the product owner is looking for, but it's about 90%. And I think that this is, this could be a good solution. Uh, so I went back to that product owner. I gave him the, 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 the proposed solution that gets us to, to our, our final deadline on time. And he accepted. And that's, I think that was a good lesson, at least for, from my perspective on what leadership looks like. Um, leadership is not just influencing the people around you, but allowing them that opportunity to rise up and, and to make those tough choices. We have an audience and they ask for things. And one of the topics everyone wants to talk about is layoffs. I don't know how your PR team is going to feel about that being part of the conversation or not, but if it is, we could talk casually about it. Maybe not like ask, I'm not going to ask you like pointed questions about bears dev, but in general, we've all been seeing things like Salesforce just made their cut. There's a website called layoffs.fyi. I think that's the extension. And, and you can see that there were more layoffs in quarter this past quarter than there were when COVID happened. Right. And so it's a lot, a lot of movement is happening. Are you seeing any trends in the marketplace at all? So aside from that, the trend of, of layoffs happening, uh, which by itself is, is always difficult to sort of wrap your head around. Um, you, each layoff to me represents families that, that need to figure out where they're getting their next meal, how they're paying their mortgage. It's, it's, there's a lot of baggage and a lot of, um, I would say sadness around around these layoff news. Uh, to me, it's it's beyond just a business trying to cut costs, but it's also the people that 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 are being affected by it. Um, but one thing that I've seen, and one thing I've seen on LinkedIn, is that a lot of folks within the community are reaching out very proactively. Like so, when I saw the Salesforce layoff, I'm seeing a lot of posts saying, "Hey, for all the Salesforce engineers or 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 uh, employees that have been laid off, please use my network or, or please um, use me as a intro to my company. Um, we have these openings. So the community itself, the tech community, they're embracing a lot of these people that are, that are being laid off. And I think that's an, a, a great story. And I think, I think we're not focusing on that part where we're, we as a tech community community we're we're embracing our own and that's an amazing story yeah it's way better than ostracizing them because you know oh you've been laid off you know that's stay away i i i do love that you know you've given me a lot to think about because that angle that you just brought up i hadn't heard before so that's a i i have seen it though i saw on linkedin there were several lists going around. Those posts were trending when it happened. Someone even did a, uh, they condensed all the random, the popular post list into one Google sheet and shared it. And then it, you know, went crazy viral. And so it's, it's fascinating how everybody rallies around each other to help. And I don't know, I think that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah and, and when we're looking at what their future entails, um, it also, because of remote work, it, it allows them to now find, positions or companies that were not just based in the San Francisco area or based in the Seattle area. It's all based somewhere else. Uh, you'll have startups. Like I, I was speaking to a spa- startup in Wisconsin, um, in Madison, Wisconsin, and 
it's not necessarily a tech hub, but now they have the fully a full remote U.S. to as as their pipeline of potential candidates. Your pastoral skills, okay? I want to talk about those a little bit. Okay. Now, you you take care of your community, take care of the people around you, right? You pour into them, you you help them, you counsel them. Often, the darkest times in my life, I found myself, you know, going to my pastor or my associate pastor, and and talking through different things as this sort of uh, unofficial counselor, right? And you have those skills and, and, and you do this with, with your community. Has this given you an edge professionally to be able to take care of your team? And So can I answer that in two different ways? Uh, I would say if because we, we brought up the pastoral side, the first part would be I don't believe it's a skill uh, because skills can be learned I've, or, or skills can be learned or you're either born with it. I see it as a gift. It's, it's a gifting. Um, but two, I also believe that leading people is part of your calling in Christ. And so has that given me an edge? I, I don't know because I don't know a life outside of that. I think that's it's, it's, it's fairly natural for me to want to shepherd and, and, and lead other people, other folks, whether it's in their, in their spiritual walk or in their career growth. Um, I think part of leadership and John, John Maxwell also talked about this is, is knowing what their, what their goals are and, and helping them walk through that. Um, as an example, I had to deal with a, a, I don't call him a low performer because low performer shows comparison to other, other folks. And I'm not a big fan of that. Um, he, he was underperforming based off of what, what was required. Um, instead of, I would say the, the traditional managerial um, aspect would say reprimand and then ha- challenge them to improve. Um, I took a different approach and I, I worked with him in understanding what was blocking his way. What is it that, that is preventing him from getting to that, that place he needs to be? Uh, we talked about it. We've, we uncovered a few, a few nuggets. And so my job as his manager was to remove those blockers. And after it was removed, we're seeing, we've seen a huge increase in, in his capability. Um, so what, what the point of all of that is, is my pastoral moonlighting, my, my, my pastoral skill wouldn't give me an edge. I think it just gives me a different viewpoint on how people, people react and people uh, behave. When did you start to notice this about yourself, that you had this gift and this desire to help lead people? So about 14 years ago. It's like college or? Uh, no, that was post-college. I was already working. Um, I was already deep into technology. Um, and then I was saved. Um, started working with the youth ministry because I had a, a heart for the youth, especially for, um, for young men that did not have a father figure because that, that that fell in line with my story. Um, and when I read John 21, he said, feed my sheep three times. That's, that's what, that's what called me. That's awesome. 